Welcome to the Peak Performance Greatness Show. I'm Christopher Dedian, founder and CEO of Dedian Enterprises, Inc. We are committed to optimize people's performance with tools such as peak performance speaking, coaching, and consulting programs for a worldwide international community. We believe that the only difference between where you are and where you want to be is acquiring the knowledge you need and consistently utilizing that knowledge to become a peak performing individual in every area of your life. Stick around until the end of the show where we will reveal how you can become the next guest on the fastest growing inspirational educational podcast on the planet in 20 to 30 minutes. Let's go. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Peak Performance Greatness Show. I am your host, Christopher Dedean, and today I am super blessed to have Jeff Rose, who is an entrepreneur disguised as a certified uh, certified business planner and uh, financial planner. So my brother, first and foremost, thank you very much for being on the show, and I gave a small introduction of who you are. Can you unpack that a bit more? Yeah, uh, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my best. So uh, for my career starting right after college, I became a financial advisor uh, after I think five or six years in the business, got the certification to become a certified financial planner to get, get, it, to get that alphabet soup behind your name. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then um, somewhere along the way, my brokerage, the firm I started with sold out. I then co-founded my own investment firm, and that's when I started to dabble in marketing because when I, when I left my first brokerage firm, like, oh, now I'm actually independent is what we say, like in the financial services space. So I was independent, which basically meant that I could market myself a little bit differently. So that began like this journey, like, man, like what else can I do? Like try to stand out. And uh, that's when I discovered blogging and just kind of date how long this go was. So this would have been about 2000 and late 2007, early 2008. Cause I remember reading an article about uh, another financial advisor that started a blog. And when I read that, I was like, okay, one thing is like, I don't, I don't even know what a blog is. I had no idea. Uh, during this time, I did not have Facebook. I did not have MySpace cause that was still a thing back then it was not on Twitter. Obviously, TikTok or TikTok, TikTok, Snapchat, Instagram, like none of these existed. But when I whenever I read this article, I'm like, I don't know what a blog is, but I want to do that. Like I need to do that. So I started doing a little bit of research back in the day. And that's when I discovered that there were only a handful, literally a handful of certified financial planners in the country that were blogging. And I then made this unspoken goal to myself that. I wanted to create the number one website, number one blog for financial planners out there. And that's what I started to do, even though I do nothing about blogging, knew nothing about SEO. And uh, that's kind of like when that journey happened and it was purely a marketing tool for the practice. Like I want to put content out there. I want to help people, you know, share my experience to hopefully gain their trust so that they'll hire me to be their financial planner. What I didn't know back then was that people were making money from their websites. Didn't know that was a thing. Uh, and when I discovered that, that began a very fun journey of monetizing the site, monetizing the blog. So fast forward to present day, I no longer have my wealth management firm. Uh, sold that now two or three years ago. Can you remember? <laughs> uh, but a business that I spent 16 plus years growing 
sold it because the online business, which was the blog and the podcast and also YouTube and some other things. I mean, it was making four times as much as the brick and mortar, brick and mortar business. So it's just, when you say I'm a marketer disguised as a certified financial planner, like that's exactly what didn't know it at the time, but that essentially is what, what has happened. So now I just produce online content, financial education, trying to still help people take charge of their life financially. And that's what I do. Jeff, I love that so much. I love that story. And there's a lot of things we're going to unpack here, especially the fact that you started, I guess, in the beginning stages, like 2007, 2008 was still very much in the beginning when it comes to blogging, the online world. Uh, YouTube had been up and running for a couple of years at that point. Now, when did that shift happen that you realized, and not when you sold it two or three years ago, but at a certain point, they're like, oh, wait a minute, this is actually catching traction and I'm getting a lot of leads via the blog that's going directly in my financial uh, business. So when did you see that, oh my God, I actually have something going on here? Was it quite soon or it took time and time could be years and all that stuff to really build this blog and this YouTube channel and the YouTube and, and uh, sorry, the podcast and so on and so forth? Yeah, no, great question. I'm glad that you asked that because for me, I started this thing. It was pure faith. Like I had no idea if it was going to work out. I didn't even know what I was doing. And so I was writing my own articles. I was publishing like three to four articles a week. I had to have everything approved by my compliance department, which was a huge headache, but it was a headache that I was willing to go through. And basically that meant that anything that I wrote, I had to submit it to them, have our back office attorneys take a look at it and wait basically four to five business days before they could say, yes, you can publish that. So I was dealing with all that stuff. And then for nine months, nine months, I saw zero traction. Uh, There were a few kind of cool wins, but nothing that actually made me any money. And uh, after that, I finally had somebody contact me uh, use the contact form on the website. And at that time I could actually see what they typed into Google to find me. And sure enough, they had typed, they had typed in certified financial planner, Illinois, which is where I used to live. And like, that was a keyword that I was targeting. And when I saw that, and this person reached out to me, uh, this client had over $2 million, which at that time was like the biggest client that I could have had. You know, I didn't know if I was actually going to get this person, but they ended up becoming a client. So it was like the biggest client that I ever got. Uh, and I've been an advisor at that time, almost, uh, I'm going to say six years, maybe seven years, biggest client I ever got. And then I got them because they did a Google search and found me. And that's when, yes. Okay. Validation, all this time and effort, you know, nine months, most people had no idea what I was doing. My wife was like really questioning, like, what are you doing again? Like, what's the point of this? And like, babe, you don't understand. Like it's, it's something's going to happen. I don't know what it is, but it's going to happen. And nine months later, you know, I'm starting to doubt, like, is this really going to happen? And sure enough, it did. Okay. So that is beautiful. Delayed gratification to the highest form and working. And then you get this client that's over $2 million in portfolio, which like you said, at that time was one of your biggest portfolios and clients. That's amazing. Now, everything you spoke about is great. Let's just play a little scenario. Cause at the same time, within this scenario, we're going to have your ideology of what you think of with the current uh, time frame. Now, imagine I have this little magical twist. I could, I'm going to come and take away all of your social media presence, all of the blogs, all of the things that are linked up with that and nobody knows you. So I take out all the things that you've been working for, 
for X amount of years, but I leave you the knowledge that you have of this understanding of the marketing and the social world. Today in 2021, what would you do and how would you do it? Because what you're talking about the blog right now is one thing, but now blogs can be talked about oversaturated. YouTube can be talked about oversaturated. Social media can be talked about oversaturated. Now I'm presenting it almost in a in a, a negative form, which is not at all the goal here, but I want to know what your answer is going to be because I still believe there is opportunities, but still a lot more limited than back in the day. So how would you go about it with the knowledge you have and what would you do? Yeah, so if if I would do anything different, uh, I think the the biggest difference is now I would start with YouTube. I would start with YouTube. Uh, I would definitely still build some sort of website you know, where people can come and find you so you can share that written content. But what I would do different that I didn't do back then was back then it was very much more, I'm going to talk about all things financial related, you know, financial planning, investing. And, you know, you always hear like talking about a niche, you know, and like, and I thought I found a niche because I was the only financial planner. That's, I guess that's why the niche worked for me back then. But recognizing now, as you mentioned, oversaturated, like there are obviously other financial planners that have a blog now. Mm-hmm. So if I'm going to talk about money, then I can't, I can't write articles or produce YouTube videos that say how to budget, you know, or how to invest. You know, if you're doing those same generic topics that everybody else is doing, then who's going to listen? Uh, I think about in a oversaturated market, you know, there have been guys and gals that have come after me. And I think about somebody here recently, I think he started his blog maybe like seven years ago, but he was in that fire movement, millennial, you know, space. And he had a very unique story. He came out of nowhere in a very competitive market. And all of a sudden he gained massive traction. And I don't know exactly how much he sold his site for, but rumor has it, he sold it for about $10 million. You know, something that he started, I think about a seven year, seven year turnaround. And what he did different was that he talked about investing. He talked about personal finance, but he talked about it under his own unique way. You know, he had his own story. He had his own beliefs to make sure that was a little bit different than everybody else. Yeah, it was. But that's why people were willing to listen because it was something a little bit different than everybody else was saying. I love that. So what we take away over here, you would obviously go into still the, the world that we're talking about, the social marketing and so on, but you would start with YouTube. Why would you start with YouTube? Is it because now you know that the how much it pays off more directly, even indirectly in a way? Is that the reason why you would pick YouTube or just because it's a medium that you like when it comes to cameras and the way you express yourself? I mean, I, I personally, I love recording videos and you know, I, I got the whole setup, but the, here's was like the very interesting thing about YouTube for me. And I started YouTube back in 2011, but it was one of those, like I started it, didn't know what I was doing. Uh, then I took a YouTube course and got really excited and did it for like a year, maybe a little bit longer. Then I took a break, you know, then I got really excited again, took a break. And so I've had these, you know, I've, I've been on YouTube, but there've been different stages. And then I guess it's probably about two, maybe two and a half years ago, I got like re, re-excited, that's a word. And like, I, I went, I'll say all in where I was really focused on YouTube because before it was, I wanted to do YouTube, but I'm using it to benefit the website, benefit the blog. Whereas this time it was hearing what other people were saying is that if you're going to do YouTube, then you have to produce content for, for YouTube, you know, for the YouTube community, for people that are on YouTube, watching YouTube, as opposed to just trying to get them to your website. 
You know, it's like, you're not giving, you're not trying to get them to your website. You're trying to get them to stay to watch your video longer and then hopefully watch one of your other videos and then another video, you know? So like, it's just a totally different strategy. But uh, when I re got re excited and got into YouTube again, I had so many people commenting, like, it's just like they had discovered me for the first time. And I'm thinking like at that time, man, I had, I had my blog for almost a decade I was writing for Forbes, Business Insider, CNBC, Entrepreneur, like all these massive publications. I had a book, you know, that was published, uh, not self-published, but, you know, published by a New York publisher. Uh, I did all these media things. And yet these people were coming to finding me, discovering me for the first time on YouTube. And then also it was like this positioning of I'm the expert not because I'm a CFP, not because I write for all these big publications or I've been you know, doing this for over 10 years. It was because I have a YouTube channel <laughs> and they liked what I had to say. Uh, it was just so interesting to see people's perception of that. So for anybody that's looking to be pos positioning yourself as an expert, if you could put yourself on a camera and you can talk and people understand you, you know, and you make sense and you're coherent <laughs> and it's engaging, uh, it's just this thing, man. People will just like look at you differently as opposed to you writing, you know, writing an article or a podcast, but when people can see you and relate to you. So anyway, that's why I would start with YouTube, but definitely don't stay there because, you know, you don't want to be dependent on one platform. Yes. Uh, you know, at the time of this recording uh, was at Facebook, Instagram went down, you know, for almost the entire day, you know? So if you've got a business that's ran on Facebook and it goes down for a day, that, that's probably going to hurt bottom line. It's going to hurt revenue. So yeah, start with one platform and then start to branch out. Jeff, I love that, brother. I, I love what you just explained over here. And I'm just going to give a bit more reference to the listeners. As you were talking about this, I pulled up everything here. And obviously you have built a great following and specifically on YouTube right now, which uh, your YouTube channel is called Wealth Hacker and your name, Jeff Rose, you have over... Uh, 371k followers, and you have put 650 videos. Now that is amazing in itself. Let me just yes, you you didn't know that number, and you just like for the people that are listening or uh, seeing him in a camera, he just said, "Wow, he kind of worded that out." Now the reason why I'm saying this because in my own business, that in enterprises, we put out original content, legit once a day, if not more than that. And I am blessed enough to have a team, you know, working out and everything. And my main thing is my YouTube channel. Then we break it down to small clips on Instagram, on TikTok. I make a blog from that, the newsletter, so on and so forth. Just like, you know, now why I'm saying this, I currently have over 140 videos on my YouTube channel and have just over a thousand subscribers. How did the intake take for you? How many videos did you post before getting a really significant uptick or did you already have a massive following from the blog that you were able to move towards the YouTube that really helped you out? What was your experience with that journey of the YouTube? And you did mention that you hired some coaches within that process as well. Yeah, I think looking back when it first, because I remember getting to a thousand subscribers was like, I don't remember how many years it took, but it was a while. Uh, and then the next phase was like 10,000. And that, that took like almost I forgot when I got really excited for the channel. Let's say it was 2017. I think back then, like I hadn't hit 10,000 yet. So I've been had YouTube wow. and probably published as many videos as you have. 
and I hadn't got to that, that 10,000 mark. So like over six years. Um, and, but man, like just looking back, what I learned, it really was understanding the marketplace, understanding what YouTube is and how, you know, starting to look at different metrics as far as like, when do people stop watching your video? Like, when, you know, as far as like uh, user retention or whatever they, their phrase is, uh, subscriber retention or viewer re retention, excuse me. Um, click-through rates, titles, thumbnails, uh, looking at your competitors. What videos are they doing? You know, which ones of those are getting traction? You know, which ones of those have like a million views or maybe in your space it's 100,000 views? You know, look at their video. Is that something that you could do, but put your own spin on it? I think the, the video that I remember like really hit for me was this is once again, dating myself here, uh, Facebook, whenever they were going IPO, I just remember like so many people were talking about it. And I thought, huh, let me just go ahead and record a video that talks about if you want to buy the Facebook IPO and recorded it like in my house. It was evening. The lighting was poor, decent audio. I was using a DSLR, but I didn't know how to do lighting and all that stuff. And it was very generic, you know, but it was one of those videos. It was just more like news jacking or news timing. I just knew that that would be a very popular topic. And back then, I think it got like 50,000 views, maybe more, but it was like, Ooh, okay. I think I found something here. Uh, so that was one of the things. And then starting to understand keeping people on the video, keeping people engaged. Uh, the biggest mistake I made was this was like the third phase, I think, where I just I hired a professional, like a, a videographer to come to my house. We recorded 12 videos, like in a half a day. And it was a complete bust. Like the videos like didn't get any traction. And I had so many people commenting comments like get to the point <laughs> uh like people would like timestamp like he actually starts the video at like 147 and i used to like laugh because i'm thinking kind of like i don't say my honorary self was like oh ha 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 but you know if i'm gonna do videos i'm gonna do it the way i want to do it which okay that that's fair but people were telling me politely or impolite how you want to look at it get to the point because people's time is valuable. The people are coming to my videos because they wanted a very specific answer to a question, you know, on 401ks or retirement or investing. And I was yapping about, I know what, trying to throw in funny jokes, which I would have much been better served to start answering the question. Then if I want to throw in funny jokes, feel, you know, then do that, but respect people's time, but also engage, uh, have fun. You know, if you want to throw your personality in, like that's something I really struggled with at first, but you know, allowed to have some fun with it, but also respect people's time, you know, and get them what they're there for or answer why, why they're there for. That makes sense. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. Anybody that wants to start a YouTube channel, I highly suggest it. I thoroughly love the journey and what you just mentioned over there. First and foremost, understand the algorithm, look at the competitors, look at the questions that people are searching, uh, just because obviously YouTube is the second biggest uh, search engine because it's a part of Google and Google being the number one. And as well, get to the point, listen to what the people are saying, be faster if you need to be faster with your presentation, which is amazing, Jeff. And if we take a step back here and talk about all of your journey, because I was looking through your stuff and I saw that in 2005, you were actually deployed to Iraq. And that's quite interesting to me as well. How did that process happen from there? And then going into the finance world aspect behind that, like, tell me a bit about that, that part of your life. Yeah, so I... I guess I should have started with 
you know, just leading for those that are listening to me at this point, you know, a lot of people that don't know my backstory and, you know, they see the house or they see you know, everything that's going on, you know, what they don't realize is that uh, I dropped out of college. I was a college dropout. Uh, I had $30,000 in debt. Uh, both of my parents filed for, for bankruptcy twice. Uh, and that is independent of each other because they divorced when I was very young. Uh, and some of the financial advice that my dad gave me when I, I think I was in uh, college, maybe started my career was, oh, if you want something and you can't afford it, open a credit card. And that's what he told me. Like, these were the financial lessons like passed down to me. So when I think about all intents and purposes, like anything financially, like I should be either $100,000 in debt or bankrupt. <laughs> uh, but luckily I stumbled upon majoring in finance uh, and then, you know, becoming the financial advisor, which came through an internship between junior and senior year of college. But uh, I joined the Army National Guard because I had dropped out of school. I was working a dead-end job that my mom got me. I was doing data entry at her company 40 hours a week, you know, working the nine to five, literally doing Excel spreadsheet, like 10 key data entry numbers all day long. Uh, I hated life. I started doing drugs, um, got mixed up in the wrong crowd, and I needed a kick in the butt. Uh, back then, I had a few buddies of mine so back in the Midwest that joined the military, and it was one of those moments like, man, I, I got to do something because this ain't working. So that's what got me to join the Army National Guard, basically pay for school because my parents couldn't afford it, get my life back on track, and it was, I really enjoyed it, did my six years and then enjoyed it so much. So at that point in time, I was actually a financial planner, had started my business, but two and a half years into my re-enlistment, which I didn't have to re-enlist because I, I had my job. I was going to, you know, going to the office, wearing a shirt and tie, but there was something about being in the Army National Guard where you had that one weekend a month where we would go out in the field and get dirty, you know, and hang out with the guys and just do like guy stuff. So I re-enlisted. All my other friends didn't. They did their six years and they were done. I re-enlisted. And then it was a year into that re-enlistment that I didn't have to do uh, that we got activated and deployed to Iraq. So about two and a half years growing my, my financial practice, growing that business, I was deployed for 17 months, uh, came back. Luckily, the firm that hired me, they kept my book of business, kept all my clients. My wife and I, we, I'll say eloped, but we got married before I was deployed uh, and then had a reunion, a vow ceremony when I got back. And as I say, uh, the rest is history. Uh, it was definitely an experience. It was one of the hardest experiences of my life, um, going through what we went through, uh, just looking back. But man, like, I'm grateful for that experience. You know, would I do it again? Absolutely not. <laughs> but I'm grateful that I went through it. You know, it's, it's, it was definitely it was one of those periods in our life because, you know, my wife and I, we've had some other hardships, you know, with our kids and just some other family stuff. But looking back on that period where I was gone for 17 months and we didn't, we didn't see each other for 11 months. Like I didn't have my first leave until 11 months. It sucked, but man, like any hardship that we've ever encountered. And I, and I didn't have, I mean, I was, I'll say a Christian back then, but I definitely was not leaning on my faith. So it was purely on me and self-will and everything else. But we always look back at that experience. Like, gosh, like we made it through that. We can make it through this. You know, so it just gave this this solid foundation for our marriage. And right now we've been married for uh, going on 15 years. We've got four kids, two puppies and all that good stuff. So 
so yeah, that's a little bit about that journey. Wow, Jeff, first of all, thank you for sharing that and being authentic and transparent. Just the way you spoke about it, the energy that kind of went with it was really, really cool. Congratulations on having four kids, the whole nine. And very interesting that you took that decision while you had that business, while you were succeeding to drop it and go back and enlist. And now doing everything you're doing is phenomenal. And if we turn it back to the financial side, obviously you have such a great background within that. You have a whole business that teaches people about finance. What is the number one thing that people do not understand about finance that they should? If there's one thing that you have to teach to people, and it could be one, one A, one B kind of, but what do you think is the biggest misconception of the average person that they have with financing and how to build wealth? Yeah, I think the biggest misconception that I still hear is people that don't invest because they're waiting for the right time. Uh, they're waiting for to have more money. They're waiting for that raise. They're waiting for uh, to find the right spouse. They're waiting waiting to get that raise, you know, at their job. I mean, I, just, I hear it all, um, and what most people don't realize, or they, they don't have, they think they don't have enough money, you know. And in this day and age, man, like you got like app, like investment apps like Robinhood, you know, and all these different ones. That, I mean, you can start investing with like a dollar, and uh, it's just and people think, well, that's not going to really do anything. So what's the point? And my, my pushback on that is when I started investing back when I was in college, I was doing 25 bucks a month. And I was doing that into a pretty crappy mutual fund that I didn't know anything about. But looking back, it was taking that process, you know, taking that first step of putting a little bit of money in, exposing myself to a, a, a market and, and mutual funds and investing, like just and exposing myself to a world that I didn't really fully understand but now with as little as $25, like I'm getting th these prospectuses in the mail, you know, and I'm getting all my statements and it, I'm looking at the tracking of the different funds or where they rank in their categories. And all of a sudden, like, I'm just learning, you know, I'm learning by doing, not by listening to a podcast or watching a YouTube channel or listening to somebody else talk about it. I'm learning through my own experience. And that was huge for me. And because when I tell people, listen, I go, wouldn't you rather learn how to invest with like when you got a little bit of money, like or no money with 25 bucks or 10 bucks, whatever that is, so that when you finally have money, you've kind of worked out all those big mistakes, you know, so that you don't learn with the, you know, the, the, the real money when you finally are making some money. So, you know, looking back uh, at that, and uh, I, have to, I have to share this real quick because I just had somebody comment on one of my YouTube videos uh, a few weeks ago. This person apparently like discovered my, my YouTube channel back in the day. And I'm shocked they watched it because they sucked back then. <laughs> but this person said, Hey, I watched your video like 10 years ago about a Roth IRA and I started investing. And now I have over a hundred thousand dollars in this investment account and all because they took action. You know, I don't know how much they started with. I'm, I'm guessing they didn't have a lot, but they started with what, what they, what they had. And that's what it's all about. You know, don't wait, start, do it. I, I love that. I love that. I want to repeat it just for their listeners and our viewers who really catch that. So the main thing is wherever you are within your journey, having finances or not start investing. So that question of like, Hey, if I have a dollar, why am I going to invest it? Or a hundred dollars, why am I going to invest? I'm not going to see a lot of returns. The reason why is because you're going to learn from it. And the last part that you said, which is very important to highlight you're going through the process of learning and you're making your mistakes with lower amounts of money and you're making your success with lower amounts of money. So once you start having the big ones, you'll be able to do those in a smarter way. And then the compounding effect will be so much more predominant and positive within your life. So Jeff, man, I mean, 
I have just a couple more questions. I want to be respectful for your time here. First and foremost, before going into my last questions, I just want to kind of talk about your like your books, your online courses, your blogs. I do know you have a book on like the soldier or finance. Can you talk to us a bit about that and kind of direct our community, our listeners, where would be the best place to get this information that you're teaching through your platforms? Yeah, no. Uh, so, you know, the book was, that was a kind of a passion project that came out. feels like forever ago, but, you know, soldier of finance, the, really the whole point of that and really just like a lot of what I'm doing today on the YouTube channel and through all my content, just the people that feel like when they, uh, and actually I was like just reading your bio, you know, just talking about the, all the different mistakes, you know, that you've made, but how you use that, you know, as like your, your energy, you know, like you learned and just use that as your fuel for the next thing. And, you know, looking back at my own journey, you know, if, if I would have just like, oh, I got $30,000 of credit card debt. I dropped out of school. Yep. My life's over. I'm done. You know, if, if I, if all my mistakes define like who I am today, then like, that's not growing. Like I'm focusing on the past, not the future. And really that's why I, with that book was just sharing, man, like I had $30,000 in debt. I had no business, you know, doing what I did. Um, but I made that conscious choice that no, like I'm going to do better today and the next day. And the next day, and one of the favorite quotes I love is, is make your future bigger than your past. And it's, it's, it's just one of those, like, gosh, I just, I never let any of my mistakes or failures define who I was. It was like, a, Ooh, that didn't quite work out the way that I expected or wanted. What do I need to do different and move on, you know, learn from it. Don't forget it. You want to learn from it, you know, but don't let that be that cloak that you wear that defines you the rest of your life. So so that's the book, Soldier Finance. And as far as uh, different courses and stuff, I, the one course I'm really excited about right now is it's called the uh, 10X Goal Accelerator. And what this is, is that I, I joined these different coaching programs years ago, uh, spent a ton of money. I think it was like over like 70 or $80,000 over like a five-year period, but it had massive success of the business. And I look right now in the marketplace and there, all these courses are geared towards entrepreneurs that are making six figures or more. And I'm the guy that wants to give back to the younger version of me, you know, who, who probably read Rich Dad, Poor Dad or something like that is really excited, but has no idea where to go or, or what that step is. So, you know, just showing people not just how to set goals, but really have a, just a bird's eye view, just a different approach to help people achieve goals to essentially work towards their unrecognizable future, which basically is that future. Cause I was sharing with somebody the other day, you know, right now I am recording. This is the second story of our pool house, which is our studio. Um, and we live here in the Nashville, Tennessee area. We moved here four years ago. And right now, like I wake up, I take my kids to school. I pick them up. Uh, I work when I want to work. And it is a future that I never even could never even could have considered, you know, where I was five years ago, 10 years ago, especially 25 years ago. And looking back, it was all about taking, making these goals, working towards these goals and having this process. So that's what I, I wanted to share like in this program, uh, just showing people how to work on goals today. And then eventually you're going to be setting goals that you didn't even know could be a possibility. So that's what I'm really excited about right now. I love that. I love that, Jeff. And I love the fact that you have that approach towards, hey, what is the younger version of me? How can I support them? So for people that are starting off with all that, and uh, you'll let us know as well where we could go contact you and contact for this course. We'll put it all in the show notes. 
And one last question that I have, as this is the Peak Performance Greatness Show and my whole brand and speaking career and my coaching career is on peak performance, and it's extremely obvious that you're a high-performing individual in everything that you've talked about from having 30K in debt to now being a multimillionaire, having this platform and this business, what are some of the methodologies, the rituals, the habits that you do on a daily basis that put you in that peak performing uh, individual level? Yeah, the thing that I do that I have to do, and if I don't do it, like I can just tell that I'm off, but it's all about how do I prepare for the next day? Uh, and I, there's a few, I, I default to this. So this is for those who are watching this, this is an oversized index card uh, that I can, you can get it on Amazon. I think a package of hundred, like 16 bucks. And every day on the left column, I write down like, what's my miracle morning? What's my morning routine? You know, like I do that. It's the same stuff that I do every single day but I still write it down as a reminder, like, hey, this is how I start my day. And I'll tell you what, even though it's like the same stuff, it's like, oh yeah, read this. You know, I do 25 push-ups, I pray, uh, I journal, just to be able to like cross that off. It's like, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, doing this. You know, right column is like my, my top three, my big three. So what are the three essential things I gotta get done today? Uh, the high five are, I always reach out to five different people every day, whether it be call or text. It's just a way to get outside of my head, connect with other people and just find out what's going on. And then also just the other things I need to get done. And, but I do this the night before, not the morning of, and it just helps that way. When I wake up, I know exactly what I'm doing. It's so simple, but yeah, it helps me stay grounded, stay focused and just have a really good day. I love that, Jeff. So essentially journaling, prepare your day the day before and just crossing off task does such a neural linkage and it shoots out like serotonin levels in your body, which is a happy drug of like, Hey, I accomplished something. So I love that you shared that. And one last thing, once again, where can our viewers, our listeners reach out to you, listen to your content? Like I previously mentioned your uh, YouTube channel, which I suggest other than that, where can we reach out to you? Yeah. So if you want to check out the, the blog that I mentioned, that is good financial sense, C E N T S.com. So that is the blog that I'm, uh, that's the main business wealth hacker on YouTube and Twitter and Instagram is where I'm probably most active on social media. And the handle is at J Jeff Rose, two J's J Jeff Rose on Twitter and Instagram. That is amazing. Jeff. Thank you very much, my brother. All the things you just mentioned will be in the show notes as well. So our viewers and our listeners could absolutely go and check it out. Uh, once again, such a pleasure speaking to you, brother. Keep on doing your phenomenal work and we'll be speaking very soon. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me on. My pleasure. Christopher Dedian here. Thank you so much for listening to the Peak Performance Fitness Show. If you're a successful entrepreneur or entrepreneur who would like to be on this program, please visit our website at peakperformancegreatness.com. If you got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot of your phone, text it to a friend, or post it on the socials. If you know somebody that could be a great guest, please tag them on social media to let them know about this program. And don't forget to include the hashtag Peak Performance Greatness. I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. We regularly put out new episodes and content. To make sure that you don't miss any episode, go ahead and click that subscribe button. Your thumbs up, rating, and review go a long way to help us promote this show, and it would mean a lot to me as well as my team. You want to know more? Go ahead and visit our website at peakperformancegreatness.com or follow me on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, or my YouTube channel at Christopher Didier. Thank you for listening. We will see you next time. Have a blessed and grateful day.